Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Uh, we're so glad y'all listening today. It's the day after the election, and that kind of will come into more of a, a factor when we tell y'all what we're going over today. But how are you doing, Pastor Zellner? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm great. Um, again, we're we're going over false gospels um, in this series, and we've gone over um, about I think three false gospels mm-hmm. by I the time so. we're doing this. Yep. Um, so if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to it. That, that first one in the series kind of explains why we're doing this. That's right. Um, and why it's so important to discern false gospels and why it's so important to know the true gospel of mm. Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, today we're going to be going over the for God and country false gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll kind of talk about why we've titled this false gospel that way. It's a false gospel that both of us, I think, have seen in Auburn mm-hmm. uh, quite a few times, especially. Yeah. Um, and so we're excited to go over it. And like I said before, election day was yesterday, so it kind of... Uh, it's easier to hang our hope in different places, isn't it? Um, it really is. Well, I think the, uh, the thing when we're thinking about this is sometimes this is labeled Christian nationalism. Uh, and I, I really have found this helpful when thinking through this. First of all, I want to make something really clear. Um, the concept of a podcast is always humorous to me because I really uh, do not claim to know everything or need to be given uh, a microphone to discuss everything. And one of my pet peeves about pastors um, in general, not anybody specific, but in general is just the presumption that, okay, because your job is to open the Bible, then you should also talk on everything else. Um, I don't really... I feel like I have a lot of other areas of knowledge. So what we're trying to do is take um, the true gospel and recognize some ways where in the culture that we live in, um, there are lies or perversions of the true gospel that cause Christ to be lost. Um, And that's really a heart of what I think we need to talk about today. So if I was to define Christian nationalism, I would say Christian nationalism can be summarized in this distinction. either you know it's fine to say christianity is the last hope of america right that would be a fine statement to say christianity was the last hope of rome it was the last hope of um babylon it's the it's the last hope of every empire that's ever existed on the face of the earth uh genuine conversion coming to faith in christ that would really be the one thing that would transform a society nothing else transforms a society but to flip that on its head is to say that America is the last hope of Christianity, meaning here's the last place where um, where Christianity has a stronghold and has, has a possibility of truly impacting the culture and the world. Those are really different things, and I think the distinction that needs to be made there, um, and this is what's been held by the apostles all the way uh, through to today, um, we should recognize that uh, Jesus came to inaugurate a kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom. And that spiritual kingdom uh, does not connect itself to earthly kingdoms uh, in order for it to survive. In fact, quite the opposite is true. Um, Where Christianity spreads, uh, it has a blessing and many benefits on societies themselves. 
But this means that uh, we do not need to be, to think of ourselves as citizens that blend together the God of the Bible with uh, the thoughts or the maybe I should say the um, the real passions of our hearts concerning our own nation, uh, right? You does that make does yeah? That make sense? I was gonna say. It sounds like you're trying to say that, like, when we think of our identity, it should first and foremost be in Christ, obviously. That's right. And so we kind of think um, nationally in our identity in Christ, like, we are first and foremost Christians mm-hmm. who are also Americans. Yeah, yeah. We're that, not Americans who are Christians. That's right. And I think we should, we would recognize this if, we, you know, in the kingdom of heaven, I suspect we'll be standing next to people who were from uh, Cappadocia, Laodicea, other places that are mentioned in the church. Um, and, and we recognize that in Christ we really have far more in common with those people uh, who will be in the heavenly places with us one day with the Lord than we necessarily do with somebody just who happens to be from the United States of America in this time and date and uh, maybe even in, from Alabama or from Auburn or something like that. Uh, so it's important that our citizenship be first and foremost recognized as um, in Christ and, uh, you know, you and I mentioned offline the way that Peter talks in First uh, Peter chapter one. He he writes his letter uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Dispersion means the scattering, um, meaning so Christians are scattered across the world. And he's writing that letter to people who are chosen by God um, for an eternal inheritance, but they are at this moment exiled in many parts of the world. So. Um, I think that's an important place to start. That's the way that the apostles saw um, themselves and saw other Christians. So Peter writes to the elect exiles of the dispersion, the scattered people in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Um, And in so many ways, that speaks directly to us as well. Right. And so if we're thinking about ourselves as exiles of Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God and on earth, how do we what do we think about our government? Like, what do we think about its role, its function? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that we see this in uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith and things like that, various reform documents have pointed out that the role of government is, uh, the role of civil government is to protect uh, the people, it's to provide structure, it's to provide order, but also um, to promote the safety of people to, to worship. Um, that's an important aspect of it. Um, and and in so doing, we recognize that we're really talking about, uh, as Christians, we think about two different um, two different governments, right? There's one that is civil, and there's one that's ecclesiastical. That means the church, one that is in the church. And so um, I recognize I have to follow the rules of the United States of America. I have to follow the rules of Alabama or Auburn. Um, and I will suffer penalties if I choose to park in an illegal parking spot or if I speed or something like that. I'll suffer penalties for that. But um, I have a different citizenship, a different allegiance, which calls for a higher, um, a higher allegiance, a first allegiance, which is really first to Christ as my king. You had a, I think you had a really helpful quote from Calvin that kind of summarizes. If you want to mention that, I think it'd be helpful. Yeah, he says, government protects and supports the worship of God. It promotes justice and peace and is a necessary aid in our earthly pilgrimage towards heaven. Mm. As necessary as bread and water, light and air, and more excellent in that it makes possible the use of these and secures higher blessings to men. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting 
the way he says that it's 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 as necessary as bread and water um the apostle paul seems to affirm this you see this this is very much uh latter chapters of first corinthians latter chapters of romans um language that speaks of the civil government being uh, a blessing uh, for those who are willing to be obedient to it and it also uh, it can have the ability to help foster um, the safety of the church and i know you know uh, in view of calvin's quote i suspect there would be people who've been under serious persecution uh, who would go well the, the government didn't uh, help us uh, be safe and yet um, overall you speak in terms of generalities god has instituted the government uh, to do to do to give a civil good for people um so um i think that's really helpful one thing that, that i would mention and this is part of when we think about this i always recognize when we do a podcast especially something like this uh, at no point am i saying hey i'm an expert on christian nationalism i'd like to speak about that all I really am attempting to do is to uh, speak about things which might be useful from a pastoral perspective. I would want our people to hear. Um, and and so the heart of what I would want to stress for our people, and this is something I'd really want to stress for myself too, and that is this. I want to learn um, to read the Bible not through a lens of the United States of America um, but rather read the Bible through a clear lens and then read um, my life on this earth through the lens of Scripture. In other words, which lens am I wearing over my eyes? Um, and I, I say that because when you, I remember going to seminary and being a young guy and everybody sitting there is kind of arrogant and pretty sure that we all know a lot. And one of the very first things that uh, the seminary professors felt it was important to do was to make sure that we understood that we, we had all arrived with uh, preconceived notions and lenses over our eyes, um, and that it was really important to take those lenses off and to learn to recognize that uh, when we bring something to the Scripture of our thoughts that are that are outside in the world being brought to the weight of Scripture, we're usually uh, doing what's called um, reading into the text, bringing something there to it. All right, so that's one warning that I would have for people. We do not want to read the Scripture with our lens like, okay, where can I find the United States of America in here? And when you see, and this would be very extreme cases, when you see hardline cases of Christian nationalism, you'll actually recognize that people are harvesting passages of the scripture from the old testament that were meant for national israel and they're bringing them over here to apply to the united states of america um that's that's risky right um god made certain promises to a certain nation and that is national israel in the old testament but he did not make those exact same promises to the united states of america in our day and we would recognize that really clearly if somebody, um, if we were to be able to hop in a, uh, a time machine and travel to Nazi Germany and hear somebody making Old Testament claims applied to Nazi Germany, we would go, oh, this is entirely uncomfortable. Or if we were to hear it happening in, in uh, Russia today or in China today, we would go, oh, that's, that's not okay. They're actually taking Old Testament scripture and applying it to their nation. My point is that it's easy for us to be blinded. Um, 
to our own doing of that in our own nation. Um, so, for instance, um, uh, there's a passage in First uh, Chronicles 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray to me um, and repent of their sins, I will heal their land. Uh, and it has a real strong it, – it's, it's a commonly used um, passage of Scripture that can be applied to the United States of America. I've heard it applied that way. And I'm not saying that's a 100 percent misapplication, right? Um, I would say the heart of what we can take from a passage like that is God really always wants his people to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Uh, the, the healing of the land promises are promises that were made to a specific nation at a specific time in whom God was in a covenant relationship with. And since he's not in a covenant relationship with us, um, we cannot take a one-to-one comparison and go, all right, if only uh, the Christians of this nation would humble themselves and repent, then suddenly our nation would turn around. Uh, we don't have a clue of that. That's, that's really presuming a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, that's, that's one warning. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to as citizens of the kingdom of God, as exiles here on earth, mm-hmm. we are part of a kingdom other than a kingdom here on earth. And yeah. so... You know, we're not like you're talking about the Old Testament with Israel and, and the covenant God made specifically with them as a nation. Mm-hmm. We have that as a nation um, in a kingdom of God, not as a nation yeah. kingdom of America. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. So it does it does pertain to a wholly different nation, and that is the kingdom of heaven. You're exactly right. Uh, it's a great point. The second thing I think that'd be worth mentioning here is the is the fact that um, when when we see Christian nationalism in our culture here today, it can often be an overconfidence on the part of somebody who may not be a believer to to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, like I believe in God and country, um, and I, I, I support God, right? I'm for that, um, in the same way that they are for country. And that's... Uh, by way of by way of warning for our ourselves as believers, I would say uh, we need to make sure that uh, we do not help affirm the thought that connecting God and country means that somebody is actually a repentant, genuine believer in Christ. Uh, that doesn't; those are not e- equal. Yeah, and especially in the South, where religion isn't persecuted, religion right. is praised even mm-hmm. among non-religious people. That's right. Um, when we kind of come to this thought of, okay, well, religion is good for the country. Right. And so to have just that belief that I'm a believer because I think it's good morally. Right. right? We talked about be good and you'll be saved. Yeah. Um, mm. That's not the true gospel. That's right. And so my question is what would happen when religion isn't supported in the South, mm-hmm. right? Religion is 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 thought to be uh, bad for the country. Yeah, would those same people uh, think that? Mm, I think yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. We're riding a cultural wave that I think most people recognize. We're on the, we're on a backside of um, of what has been a, a a season of time in our in our society and our nation where uh, Christianity has has thrived and been safe, but we are trending towards what 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 has happened in Europe a post Christian culture. Um, and when those those post-Christian influences begin to um, uh, to rise up in us, this is this is the heart of the warning that comes off your point. 
when we recognize that the post-Christian culture is rising up and there are things happening in our land which are clearly awful, clearly a defiance against all that God sees as good, we as believers want to make sure that we are grabbing not to uh, a particular political party or a particular um, past event in history, but that we're really clinging to Jesus and his greater kingdom. So in, in the heart of what we're saying is eventually all of this is going to be dealt with anyway. But I don't want to plant my feet in the soil of the United States of America too deeply, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And the only past event in history that we should cling on to is the death and resurrection <laughs> of Christ. I mean, that's the heart of it. That's the heart of it. Right. So uh, at this moment, Christians are not persecuted. There may be a day when Christians are persecuted in the United States of America. So I should say Christians are persecuted all over the world today. But in our culture at this spot, in, in this moment, um, in the United States, they're not. Uh, not in the way that they are and have been historically. So I think that's a really important thing to remember. Where am I rooting my soul and my heart? Yeah, and so kind of just summarizing those two warnings, Mm -hmm. the first warning is not to look at the Bible, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but is it not to look at the Bible and to read the Bible with the lens of, hey, I'm a Republican, or hey, I'm Mm -hmm. a Democrat, Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to read the Bible this way. Mm -hmm. But to just go to the Bible without that lens and see what God says about country and what Mm -hmm. God says about um, civil authority, Mm -hmm. and then go in towards the civil authority with that. Yeah, yeah. And then as of second warning, um, man, we just talked about it, and I have already (laughs) covered out of my mind. No, I think the second warning is that, you know, we want to make sure that that we are not helping to affirm this uh, that because somebody is pro-country, uh, even you know pro-military, I mean that's these are great things, right? That's not the same as being someone who's genuinely repented of their sins and trusted in Christ for their Savior. Um, and so, I, I, I'm, I'm by giving that portion of the warning, I'm wanting to make sure that we uh, recognize ourselves, me included, um, that that genuine faith in Christ is of a wholly different stripe than I love America and I love the troops um, and and those kinds of things, right? One of the one of the ways that I can illustrate this goes for I, I, I have um, now a number of years of ministry experience, so I can I can give this by way of illustration, and it'll give you I think the heart of the point, um, not just the last point I made, but more more broadly what we're talking about. I was teaching in a church that I used to pastor in. And I had uh, moved the American flag, and the they had an American flag and a Christian flag sitting right behind where I was standing to preach. And um, I had taken those flags, and I'd moved them just out of the line of sight so that they were not uh, standing up over my shoulders behind my back. Right? They were not. And so when I when I um, when I moved them, I put them to the corners of the room, and um, an appropriate comment from a veteran who was telling me, hey, uh, you need to make sure that you understand you cannot do that with the American flag. Um, and I said, do what? And he said, well, you can't you can't move them to a non-prominent place in the room, meaning uh, you can't give to the flag a place of secondary prominence. And I said, okay, thank you so much for that instruction. But what that immediately meant to me is if, if the flag has to have prominence 
over the preached word or over the Bible itself, then we're going to go ahead and remove the flag so that it's not that so that the <laughs> nobody needs to come in here and go. The flag has greater prominence. The United States of America has greater prominence than the preached word of God. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. It, and it's a you know, it's a funny dynamic. It, I am as patriotic as uh, anyone. Uh, I love this country. I genuinely do. Uh, and it is a remarkable nation in the realm of freedom and goodness um, and justice. It's a remarkable nation. Um, but I know that this nation will disappoint me uh, and it'll disappoint our readers. And, and elections coming the day after an election, it, it tells you that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I live or die by a political party or by how uh, what rules or laws are at the moment being uh, passed in this country, then I'll be living on a really flimsy piece of real estate. But if I, gr- if I root my heart in the kingdom of Christ, um, then I'm rooted on something that is uh, not simply um, a, a number of years on this earth, but is eternal. Yeah, and I was reading Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, and he talks about kind of that same thing talks about the paradox of christianity of he's saying christianity is one of the only religions and philosophies and worldview that allows the believer to love his country enough to want to change it Mm. and hate his country enough to want to change it Mm. oh wow that's that's strong in it that's strong yeah it's an important and you could never arrive at that unless you were reading through the lens of scripture and god's word first that's it so all this comes down to is what is my primary authority, um, and if it really is the Bible, then we want to make sure that our eyes are uh, are fixed on the things that the Bible stresses. Uh, the other, I guess, the the last thing I would say is uh, by way of warning, how would you know you're seeing this? How would you know if you're seeing it in a church? Um, and so, how would you know you were seeing it in a church? Would look like this: uh, you would you would find occasions where we would we would stop on a particular Sunday and we would move to having a uh, a memorial uh, a memorial day service that is that is worshiping God uh, on Memorial Day worshiping God on Veterans Day worshiping God on the 4th of July with uh, flags and um, pomp and uh, and praise and you'd go wait who's being praised here because if anything's taking away from the glory of God and the honor of Christ, then we're not worshiping the Lord. Um, that's a major warning. So, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't mean the Bible doesn't apply to everyday life in the United States of America. It means that we will not ever put the United States of America or any political party um, or our government itself over and above uh, God, Christ, in the Bible. I think that is a great place to end. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Will. Appreciate it. Thank you so it. much, Eric. Yeah, have a good day.